You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to a Theology Thursday podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. And if you want to join us too, here's how. Email the program to tell us what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned our podcast here each day is powered by CRTV. They underwrite the cost of this so it's free for you to listen to each day but in exchange for that we like to give you a little tip on what we do every day for crtv for our subscribers there let's give the audience a preview of what's coming up to crtv and todd i'll start with you well i've come to learn enough about myself since trump became president uh that especially when uh four of us are in the room the three of us and uh, chris pandolfo today and uh, g- generally in agreement about where things uh, stand uh, politically at this uh, given moment, moment because of the Kavanaugh uh, situation and having that backed up, as you uh, mentioned, uh, Steve, by some uh, recent uh, polling numbers. Uh, yes, A, momentum has switched. B, momentum in any given moment even extremely powerful has so much less staying power in the past in terms of what it means for tomorrow i'm trying instantly trying to project ahead like how will this be reversed in a matter of 24 hours because if nothing else we need to know that it can be you know what happened too is we, we kept talking about the one exception to whoever's dumbest last loses is if the Republicans just decide they don't, they're not going to play Correct. the game anymore. That's what I'm saying. And they're leaving yeah. the field, you're, right? You're dead on. And they have tried to leave the field now twice. There have been what we call key plays, right? These are the key plays in the game that are going to, we're going to look back on later on and say, these will be the plays that are the result that gave us the result we're analyzing now after the game, right? There have been two key plays in the last four months. One was amnesty. And the Democrats said, we want this much amnesty. The Republicans said, we're going to give you double what you want. We're going to give you twice the amnesty you're asking for. And the Democrats said, no, we actually want all the amnesties now that you're going our way. We want them all. And if you won't give us all of them, we will shut the government down. And the, Demo- and the Republicans like, guys, we are trying to knife our base in the throat on camera right now why are you working against us and the democrats said nope all the amnesties are nothing and the republicans are like guys that's not a deal you're telling us we have to slit our throats or nothing well we're not going to slit our own throats so no deal and we went home that weekend and they got annihilated right came back on monday and the democrats are like yeah we'll go ahead and open the government back up same thing happened here the, the nomination of Kavanaugh was the capitulation in and of itself to avoid a fight. 
Then they kept the, then the Dem- Republicans kept caving, particularly Grassley, on their own deadlines for, for for Christine Ford. They kept trying to capitulate. And the Democrats said they even gave him a judge who, under oath, said Roe v. Wade is double secret, protected, untouchable precedent, guys. And the Democrats again said, "Slit your own throats or nothing." And Mitch McConnell and the Republicans said that we that's not a deal. We're not going to do that. And so, in a way. The Republicans are are Michael Corleone in The Godfather Part 3. Every time they think they're out, the Democrats pull them back yes. in. The Republicans yes. are trying to evac. <laughs> they are trying to run. They're trying to hand this over. And the Democrats are simply just like, nah, nah, nah. Not, not on the... We won't take yes for an answer. And that's where we're at, I think, right now. The, de- the Republicans would like to be the dumbest last. And the Democrats routinely just keep saying, hold my beer. We, we, we won't take yes for an answer. Aaron, what would you like to preview? The media is not biased. Now, stay, you know, stay with us. Stick with us here. Fake news or not, we'll explain to you why in a lot of cases, not all cases, but on a lot of cases, the media is not Mainstream media here is not biased. Yeah, you're going to want to watch the clip that that Aaron's talking about on the show because we are entering a new phase of America. Or let me rephrase that. We're in a new phase of America. I think we are just slow and hesitant to acknowledge it because of the consequences and ramifications of doing so. But I think it also is impacting how we are defining biased media. And we get into that today at CRTV.com. You don't want to miss it. CRTV.com, promo code DACE is how you can subscribe for a discounted amount. How discounted? I don't know. I mean, I, I got to think we're worth a quarter a day. And I've got really low self-esteem. And I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm worth 25 cents a day. Put in my hand for a dime. <laughs> uh, 25 cents a day is all it will cost you to watch all of us here at CRTV including people we know are worth at least that like Mark Levin and the rest of the roster I even think we're worth a quarter a day right don't you think you're worth a quarter a day certain certain, certain that's that? w- way undervaluing my I, levels of I think I'm excellence worth, I think I'm worth about uh, about tree pity well I was born a poor black child yeah I just watched that again. I was I watched scenes of it the other day. I hadn't seen it in years. Does it, the jerk. I haven't seen it in forever. Does it hold oh, up? Oh, it does. Excellent. It does. And I mean, where he's working, the, he's the gas station attendant and the racist who's trying to kill him because he's a half breed <laughs> is like shooting him from across the street and he just thinks the oil cans are defective so they're just <laughs> the, they're depressurizing. <laughs> I watched that scene. And Jackie Mason's the head mechanic. He's like, oh. you moron! The guy over there shooting at you! It's just classic. It's a great, great movie. So, um, if you want to subscribe to CRTV, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. It is our special purpose. Another jerk reference there. It is our special purpose to bring you the best in fearing God, telling the truth and making money each day at CRTV.com. All right, let's get to it. Um, Theology Thursday, we've been doing a Bible study through the book of Colossians. And last week, we talked about chapter two. We're just doing this uh, verse by verse, line by line. And we don't have any commentaries. We're not even using the notes in our Bibles. We're letting the word of God speak plainly and directly to each of us. 
And we're not then turning around and asking each other, what does this mean to you? We don't care. And neither should you. We are asking each other, what does it mean? Period. All right. And if you have questions or criticisms, because, you know, we're not, uh, nobody up here is, is, is Augustine or Arrhenius, so we might be getting something wrong. We are going to address those in the podcast here on Theology Thursday once we finish with the book of Colossians. And last week we talked about verses uh, two and, or 8 and 9 from chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And I talked last week, if you go back and listen to the podcast, that when I had this idea of doing this for a series, the reason I, I chose the book of Colossians is that verse was the epiphany that just kept repeating itself in my in my head. And that's why I chose this book. All right. Well, let's continue on. With Paul's words to the church at Colossae, this is verse 11 of chapter 2. In him, he's talking about Christ. In Jesus Christ, also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven uh, forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Here's what I think this means. And I think, I think, guys, the reference to circumcision is key here. Um, in this case, you know, there's another, uh, there's another epistle where Paul is dealing with what are called Judaizers. And these are people that have a legalistic view of sacrament and essentially have elevated circumcision to be the evidence of your salvation not that you have not not that you not that you seek after circumcision because you have been saved you see what i'm saying yes all right so they have it backwards and so the, much of the context, and, and that's the book of Galatians, much of the, where one of my favorite verses in the New Testament resides, where Paul says to the Judaizers, if you, think, if you think circumcision, the removal of the foreskin from the male penis, if you think circumcision is what makes you holy, then cut the whole penis off then and really go for it. Really show us how, become, become especially holy, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious holy, supersize your holiness, cut the whole penis off. If that's all that it takes to be holy. So Paul is arguing against circumcision largely from a negative view in Galatians because of what the, the opponents of Christianity believe circumcision represents. Here I believe Paul is arguing for circumcision from a positive view because he is drawing the analogy of it as, as a precursor 
as a preview of what is to come. That circumcision in the in 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 the in the old covenant was the was the physical evidence that you belong to God's covenant people. A physical sign of your difference from other peoples, from other civilizations, and your commitment to the way, the law. Okay? Here Paul is saying, and if you go back to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, to offer your body up as a living sacrifice. That the foreskin, that the foreskin's removal in circumcision was a sign of a living sacrifice. Is the person whose foreskin is being removed, is that person still alive? Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and so once the foreskin is removed... They are st- they are they now have offered their body that's a sign that they are offering their body up as a living sacrifice they're part of the the Jewish covenantal people of God and that their 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 body no longer belongs to them but to their creator and that they live to please their creator they live to follow his word and his law that's what you know circumcision was a living sacrifice in the new covenant Paul says all of who you are since a redemption is now available to you, we talked in earlier, in earlier verses about this mystery that was hidden. And this mystery of that, that salvation will come through Christ to the Gentiles. But, but a salvation more holistic than what you saw in the Old Testament. A salvation where you are literally reborn physically. Not maternally, but that physically you live a different life because of the spiritual transformation that's happened within you. You live differently. You offer your body up as a living sacrifice. The same Paul that wrote the words we're talking about here in Colossians writes these words in Romans chapter 12. And he is saying, I think, a derivative of that here. Just as circumcision was a sign of living sacrifice of covenantal attachment and living that you were committing to. He even references baptism, another sacrament here, that you're not saved by being baptized. You get baptized as a sacramental recognition of your desire to live a life that pleases God. And this is the evidence of your desire to live out these sacraments to be a living sacrament or sacrifice this 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 is the evidence of your salvation that you have been raised from the dead as Christ was raised from the dead as Paul says here and that this only can happen because before you were circumcised speaking here metaphorically when you were still when you were when you were outside of God's covenant when you were living for and in sin through Christ alone God paid your debt or as Paul puts it here nailing it to the cross And I also think the reference here at the end 
in verse verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities to put them to open shame. I don't believe that's a reference to earthly rulers and authorities. Because, again, we're going back to taking what Paul has written in other epistles in their context. That our enemies are not flesh and blood and not of this world, but spiritual powers of darkness, strongholds from the spiritual dimension. I think the, those are the, the demonic, satanic forces that hold sway in a world where all creation groans with sin. They're the ones, they are the rulers of this present darkness, of this present world. They're the ones that have been put to shame. That's absolutely true. This would be a non sequitur if it weren't that. Yes. He's not talking about Pontius Pilate individually or any other terrible Roman leader of the era or any other dictator or tyrant to come. He may, but um, the malevolent spirits that behind such physical manifestations, it's them he's talking about. They have been put to shame. And Jesus' last words at the cross were, it is finished or it is accomplished. What is accomplished? The wrath of God has been satisfied. Jesus said to his Jewish skeptics, I didn't come to abolish the law. The law is good. Not one stroke of pen will move from God's law. I came to fulfill the law. He's the fulfillment of it. He has paid the debt of the law. It's been nailed to the cross. And therefore, for us as believers, what this means is, we are to be different. Now, different doesn't always mean weird, but we are to be different. There is to be something different about us. We are to have family members and close friends who, when this change happens within us, when we, when we commit to offering our lives as a living sacrifice, There ought to be, at first, those that remember or were around us before that commitment should sense that there's something different. There's, there's, a, there's something between us and them, because there is. They're living in an uncircumcised life on the other side of faith. They're still living in enmity with God. You're at peace with God. And at first, particularly when it comes time to doing the old stuff you all used to do together that was bad, that God said is wrong, there's an awkwardness, if not at times maybe even a hostility. And you don't even have to provoke it. They'll sense it. But then you know what? When something happens in their life that's inexplainable, that they can't conquer on their own, that a tragedy that befalls them, they, they, they can't confront or find meaning in on their own, you might end up being the first person they contact at that moment. For the same reasons why there was that hostility when you wouldn't go back to your old sinful ways with them. Because they recognize there's something different about you. You have given them the evidence of this. Your thoughts. Aaron, I'll start with you. Yeah, that's uh, that's all very well said. The, the, what sticks out to me the most in this uh, entire passage is the paradigm shift that we all have to go through, but especially those to to whom Paul was writing in his days. You mentioned the Judaizers as well. The paradigm shift from the physical to the spiritual that has to go on and understanding that, that it's not about our actions, although it, it is all about our um, 
uh, our hearts and our pursuit of a relationship with Jesus um, as our Savior as well. That is a paradigm shift that has to take place in everyone's mind and heart as we go on the road of 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 following Christ as well. And I, the the thing that sticks out to me too again looking looking um looking at this passage in its context and then going all the way back when the very first sin occurred from the time the very first sin occurred all the way up until Christ said it is accomplished something had to die something had to die to um, atone or or stand in the, in the place of our sins, something something had to die. You look at um, you you look at, and this was not a, a sacrifice, but you look at the uh, the way that the Lord clothed Adam and Eve in the garden. What did He clothe them with? It wasn't it wasn't leaves. It wasn't branch. It was it was skin. Mm-hmm. Something had to die. Mm-hmm. And th- throughout the time of the law something had to die sacrifices had to be made but what paul is talking about here is that uh and and we'll he'll get on to it we haven't got to that part yet as well um is that our 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 attitude once we have been already risen with christ through his death and work on the cross and resurrection once we have arisen with Christ, we are kind of in the already, but not there yet because we still have this earthly body, but we are alive. Nothing has to die anymore. Christ has paid that price. And so because of that, we have, we're still alive. We're, we're our, our, um, we have been given a, a new birth, a new spiritual birth. And that's why he talks about li- uh, offering up a living sacrifice. Why did he have to get, put that qualifying term living sacrifice on there? Because up until that point, there's no such thing as a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, I think, I, I don't know if that's what you were referring to, Todd, um, as, as uh, you know, the non sequitur. But that is, um, I, that, that, is, that is one of the things, just the paradigm shift and understanding what sacrificed or what had to be sacrificed the paradigm the overall paradigm shift in this passage from thinking about things not physically but as uh, you know spiritually as well or uh, first and foremost spiritually instead of what we see physically that, that that type of thing again we all have to go through that, and it's really difficult. This has this reaches tentacles into all areas of our our faith and our our walk. Um, but the paradigm shift that has to go on, really on a daily basis, that thinks that you have to set your mind again. This is going to um, this is going to be coming up uh, in the next chapter. Setting your mind on things on. Um, not on on spiritual things and not things of this world. What do you think, Todd? Well, we have some pretty nuanced discussions on the show on a regular uh, basis. I mean, we we just flat out tell it like it is. Uh, 
uh, that that's our bottom line as much as anybody else. Uh, you know, regardless, uh, as Steve often says, we're not a respecter of persons. But uh, nuance in terms of the the layers you honestly have to deal with something. Uh, it's not too smart by half. It's just being honest with what's being talked about. And and this is about as nuanced as I remember being in our discussion of Colossians so far. And, and that's important because I, th- I think oftentimes people are just way too cavalier. It's just so obvious. Just pick up your Bible and read it. Uh, it, 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 it depends uh, often on the reader and what they can bring to the table. Uh, the degree of humility they bring to the table and quite frankly the uh the depth of experience uh that they have with scripture because uh and i was thinking about what i was going to say well before uh steve said that i come not to abolish the law but to fulfill it here though in colossians it's regularly talking about a death of something an end of something a nailing uh uh to the cross a moving on to the next thing well, the same guy who wrote this, this cat named Paul, also wrote Romans, and very on in Romans, or he's popping off uh, rhetorical questions. It doesn't, and and forget, I, I'm doing the rough paraphrase. I don't have in front of me, Steve, Aaron. Please uh, dial in more uh, accurately. But when he said, "Does it? Does this mean the old law is forfeit or was meaningless to begin with?" Of course no. not. Yeah. So he said, "There's there's something of the old law, something mm-hmm. that holds, that has permanence, that has transcendence." So is Paul. Uh, double-minded is he a hypocrite no but the level of nuance that steve just brought to five chapters in scripture that needs to go on to the other book written by the same guy uh this is heavy lifting yes it is a book that belongs in the hands of every man and woman but as you say, Steve, iron sharpens iron. We must have these conversations openly uh, with each other about what this means so that it doesn't just become our mere opinion. Uh, it It is God's truth. It is not our truth. And every time, I, I believe it is a, a, a great fault in, in Christians who... The individual notions uh, that make America great, that aren't corporate, are not inherently transcendent into our faith lives. He must increase, we must decrease. Church, the corporate body of Christ, how we come together is uh, as uh, is talked about every bit as much as the one lost sheep so i think what steve just did there is is a perfect example of what i'm talking about uh not simply cavalierly talking about something that hey just i just looked at my bible and there it was he did that last week or two weeks ago in talking about you gave a short course in history on um what city were we talking about Steve? Oh, we were Forgive talking me. about Laodicea. Laodicea. yeah this is um it, it's why if you are an early christian if you, you need to find 
you need to find a church you need to find a small group you need to find people you uh can trust so that uh you're thinking things out loud outside of your sin nature and you don't fall into the traps that many christians have and will always fall for once it is ego and not humility that are ruling it i'm glad you used the term nuance Let, let's let's delve into that term for a second because i think it's it's every bit as important as you, Todd, said it was in this conversation we're having right now. And, and, and let's apply it in a way that I think will make it easier to it, make it easier to grasp or simpler to grasp, not necessarily easier to obtain or to live out. Because Paul also writes about in Romans 7 where we're at. The good I want to do, I don't. The evil I don't want to do, I do. Right, that's yeah, what I'm the, talking the duality about. duality is, I know that's what you're talking about. That includes about. the guy who's reading this Bible right yes, here and now. Yeah. Yes, So, the situation I just said a few minutes ago, when there should be something different about you, and your unsaved friends and family members sense it. You know, one of the songs we sing a lot in our church right now has this lyric, and it, it's a, it, the song is a hymn to the Holy Spirit, and it has this lyric changes what we see and what we seek. And what does that mean? It means, on one hand, it gives us discernment to see things we didn't notice before. Like, I remember putting Goonies in when Anna was little. How many times did you watch that when we were kids? Countless. Do you remember every other word being the Lord's name in vain or a swear word? Did you remember that, watching that when you were, the, when you were that little? I don't think I still remember it now. Yeah, I, I so we were like Amy and I were like psyched. We go back and watch all the shows from our childhood, right? We popped Goonies in back when we were still going to Blockbuster uh, to get DVDs, and we popped Goonies in for Anna when she was like two or three, and her eyes got all big five minutes into this because this was a whole new vocabulary she had not been made aware of. And Amy and I looked at each other and said, "Why did our parents let us watch this?" Now, if we had had this kid five years before we did, we still might have thought it's a little overboard, but it's just, it's harmless. Suddenly, though, our eyes are like open to this is, what, 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 what are we doing this for? And then there's the what we seek. That suddenly things that I used to think were cool or hip or fun, some of those things I, right away I just don't, think are cool hip or fun anymore i'm kind of looking at them differently and i'll give you another example from my own life i used to come home from drunk drunk in college on a sun on a saturday night and of course it'd be well after midnight and so it's sunday morning and the church shows would be on and i'd find this you know this old plotting well i thought he was a plotting old fool sitting up there in his high church reformed robe which i didn't know what that was at the time i i learned years later what that was named D. James Kennedy, sitting up there with his pronouncements and, and, and what I thought were intellectually arrogant edicts, and I would just get plastered, and, and I'd be plastered laughing at this old fool. Who in their right mind would watch this? And then after I got saved, I, like, like, I would like TiVo the show. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get enough. Totally, no, I totally get enough for different reasons, oh. but I, 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 
but seeking after it in ways I would have never done before. That's how I am with Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Totally get it. And then there's the then there's that one chick she passed away recently whose hair looked like she lost the fight on the paintball gun from TBN. I used to watch her and laugh when I was drunk in college too. And then after I got saved, I still watched her and laughed, but for totally different <laughs> reasons. Okay. Um, I, I, I was still saying, who would believe or watch any of this, albeit from a different yes, discernment yes, level? Yes. Okay? So that's what we mean by change is what we see and what we seek. And that's where that nuance comes in. Is you're like, you know, I don't know. Hitting it with everything short of a car battery on a Friday night just isn't doing it for me the way that it was doing it for me. I'd kind of like to be a wife or a husband. I'd kind of like to have a family. I'd kind of like to live for something other than myself. And the behavioral change comes from the fact you've had a heart change. Now, does the behavior change the heart or does the heart change the behavior? It depends. Because see, if I have not made peace with God and I believe that denying myself things I want is how I will earn God's favor, then the behavior will not change the heart. This is where God says to his people in the Old Testament, I desire relationship, not your empty sacrifices. Where you live any you live the way you want, and then we have these our festivals and our and 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 our our ordinances come up, and, and suddenly, you know, it's like the high holy days around here, and then the rest of the year, you know, you guys are chasing after Baal and Molech. I'm not, no, I don't want that. Your, 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 your performance art after the way you've behaviorally performed the year before is, does nothing for me and therefore does nothing for you. You're giving me a Cain-like offering. You are giving me the worship and offering you're willing to provide. I'm God, you're not. That's really the original sin. I'm God and you're not. And God says, I want you to give me the worship I'm worthy of. And since I'm God and you're not, I get to decide what worship I'm worthy of, not you. Abel bowed the knee, Cain would not. That's the difference. So if you are, if, if, if you are self-righteously acting morally because you think that's what makes you a good person or acceptable to God, then he's got nothing for you. And the prophet Isaiah says that your attempts at pleasing God this way are like bloody menstrual rags, like a refuse in God's sight. You're the tampon bin at a, flat, at a fast food joint. That's what, this, that's what this means to God. On the other hand, if you are in communion with God, and then that sin which so easily ensnares us, we've used that phrase several times already, it comes up again. Right? Because here's, here's the way the sanctification process works. Some things you didn't like about yourself go away like that. Other things you don't like about yourself go away over time. Other things you don't like about yourself go away over a longer time. And then there's things 
you don't like about yourself that you really do. And you hold those things and clutch those idols tight like a like golem. And to the point that God, you, you're like, God, you're going to have to pry these from my cold, dead fingers. When those moments come and your flesh says, indulge. If you out of faith, not because you're like, if I, if I do this sin again, I, I, then my, my God will hate me and everything I've done that's good will be thrown out the window. No. If you say, you know what? As much as my flesh wants this, I'm going to do what God says is right. Counter to what I'm feeling. Then I do believe that is offering your body as a living sacrifice. Because your motivation is not for God to be pleased with you. That's what the person who thinks living a good life without committing myself in faith to God through his son is how I'll be saved. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get God pleased with them. The person who goes against his own flesh is the person who's trying to please God. Because God is God, and I'm not. Big difference there. As the father in my home, I will step in and provide discipline, even stern discipline if I have to, to get my children not to violently behave with one another. But would I prefer it if they didn't do it? Because they recognized all the things I've done for them and do for them, all that I've provided for them, and they say, you know what? I think my father grieves when I do this, when I treat my siblings this way, and given everything else that daddy has done for me, I think he deserves for me to do, to behave in a way that pleases him. See what I'm trying to say? This nuance and this distinction is, va- is very important. You cannot earn your salvation by behaving righteously. You can help with your sanctification by doing so. And those are different things. Why? Because when you try to earn your salvation by living morally, you are doing it so that God will be pleased with you. When you attempt to align your behaviors with the will of God against your own flesh, then you're doing it so that you will please God, so that you will offer up your body as a living sacrifice. This nuance and this distinction and our and how difficult it is, I, I I think I hope we've made it simpler to understand. But it is not easy to obtain, and it is why there has been a long debate within Christendom about whether or not you can lose your salvation. Because there's a legitimate fear of cheap grace, as Bonhoeffer used to call it. 
The idea that now that I'm saved, or antinomianism is the fancy theological term. Now that I'm saved, I can live any way that I want. Well, first of all, even if you believe in the perseverance of the saints, as I do, and this is where there would be a disagreement between Aaron and me and Todd, for example, but even if you agree with the, with, with the Protestant doctrine of the perseverance of the, state, of the saints, as Aaron and I do, God is not, does not remove the natural causes of your, or consequences of sin from his people. Jesus is very clear. Not one, one, not one stroke, not one syllable of the law goes away. You're still going to be accountable to it. Now, the argument is, am I eternally damnable still? That's the argument. But guys, if the FBI comes through here in 10 minutes with a search warrant for my laptop over here to my left, and they find a bunch of kitty porn on my laptop, are there going to be natural consequences? No matter how many th- times I've taken a stand for the gospel, no matter how many Theology Thursdays we've done, you see what I'm saying? No how many times, no many sermons I've preached, will God permit the natural consequences of this heinous action by me to come to light and to be applied? Yes. So there needs to be a distinction between condemnation and consequences. Condemnation of a building means this building is forfeit. Consequences means, hey, this building has not been kept up to code and there will be, there will be ramifications for that, penalties to pay for that. And then we need to understand the nuance and distinction between I can't behave righteously enough to earn my salvation. But after I've acknowledged that and handed myself over to God to have my body be a living sacrifice, my sins atoned for in the name of Christ alone, I absolutely can help the Holy Spirit produce fruit in my life by in faith making the decision to make the decisions I know God wants me to make even when my emotions and my flesh doesn't want me to make those decisions. Just as I've used the analogy before of, I don't like going to the gym every day. Most days when I go, I don't like being there. If I only went the days I felt like being at the gym, I'd still weigh 400 pounds. I'd still have a size 5X or 6X shirt. I'd still be wearing 48 jeans instead of 36 jeans. And I'd still have a 5X, 6X shirt instead of an XXL. And I'd still be nearly 400 pounds instead of about 260 pounds. Because the progress is made when the discipline takes over. What's the root word of discipline, by the way? Disciple. Disciple. And are we called to make converts? Or are we called to make disciples? Those are two different things. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, well, since I got that ball of wax going, uh, I loved what I heard. Simply bring it around to uh, the notion of oh, what was killed or, or, or wasn't killed. In this case, with uh, uh, circumcision, it is right there in front of you if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. It is 
circumcision per se uh, being killed? Uh, obviously uh, not. Is it a type of circumcision? Absolutely, which is what uh, all Christians with their self are ultimately taught to do. They they are taught to go back and read the Old Testament in light of the new. The most important reason we have the whole testament isn't because it's a history book and it's a really 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 important history book it is to show a way of living god with us and us with him and there and then he after many many tries fits and starts uh pitfalls disasters, glorious moments uh in the end we are supposed to understand that story in depth because then he shows us how he perfects it in Christ. So are we supposed to blow off as Christians, as I think some might cavalierly do uh, in reading this, a, a, uh, an actual physical circumcision? Uh, absolutely not. We are supposed to meditate on that as, as such an intimate, intimate a violation, if you will, of the flesh as conditional uh, for our salvation, a giving ourselves over in that sense. And there's not a man alive right now who doesn't, uh, uh, an adult man who thinks about having that done to him as an adult is like, good, good, wow, that's that's stepping out into the abyss right there. And then ask, you know what? You, you, I know you think that, the God says, he whispers in your, I know you think that. And I ask of you that and more. Yeah, and on the you know on the topic of um, changed attitudes and and changed behaviors, and um, you know going kind of down the line of of the the P and tulip, the, you know the perseverance of the saints that that Steve was talking about. If you're wondering, um, I've I've definitely witnessed a change in behavior in my life for the better. And a changed heart, but now I'm going back, and I've fallen for that sin that so easily ensnares or entangles. Uh, was I saved to begin with? Here's my advice, practical advice for you: um, Don't get inside your head like that. Read the Bible, read one of the Gospels, and focus on what Jesus says, uh, especially throughout those. And guess what? Jesus is heavily featured in the gospels uh in case in, in case you didn't know um that is one of the best ways really studying what what he says what your savior says not digging yourself out it's not about you it's about allowing the lord to create a clean heart uh in you if you're wondering about that about yourself today what i just said I've noticed this, but am I sliding back? It's, the, the, the term is backslidden, or was I saved to begin with? Just read a gospel. Pick a gospel. My personal favorite is Luke, the dude who also wrote Acts. The account is really simple and easy to follow. If that's you right or today, uh, that that's what I would recommend you doing. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Oh, I 
Hey, if you get uh, some time today, click uh, subscribe there on iTunes and Stitcher on our podcast. If you like us, leave us a positive review. If you don't, don't lie. But if you like us, we would definitely appreciate you taking the time to leave those reviews. The more of you that subscribe and review us positively, the more that find out about us. Thank you to all of you that have already done both of those two things. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you. 